0: I don't know if you're able to disclose it but what sport do you see you guys getting into next i can't disclose it Okay, then we can talk but, We can talk offline i'm but I, i'm gonna sign my
1: nda on the <laughs> investor side i was kind of curious too i know we we're talking a few things i was like hold oh, on
2: what's what which one about to do what's, about to, what's that kobe uh, leaking inside of information about it. that's the crazy yeah, thing about him y'all no, i'll tell you i gotta bro. be careful man <laughs>
1: What's up, world? It's your boy Brandon Copeland, aka Professor Cope, and you know, as always, I got my dog Ross Mac. Ross, how you feeling, brother? You already
0: know I'm feeling great, looking good. Okay. Everything's straight. How you looking? How you looking? Okay. Listen, well, first of all, we know, shit, you. We know your boys. I was right? just you about to you? say, bro. I'll I'll send my barber out there, yo, Gab. He been pushing you back a little bit. Listen, Let me know brother. if you want me to send nah, my guy. out. listen, that's... brother. Listen, y'all <laughs> not gonna. You, what you
1: are not gonna do is get on here and start hating. What y'all not gonna do is get on here and start hating. Right? Listen, we hey we, man, listen, we are working on that Lebron treatment. That's why we got to keep investing so we can get the treatments. You know what I'm saying? So we get the treatments. It's all good. <laughs> but uh, listen, man, I, we we got the pleasure. We had some amazing guests here on the show, and you know we got my brother troy jones i'm gonna go ahead and throw the junior in there because there is a, another troy jones that you know we we all know yeah. 2.0
2: man i'm 2.0 that's 2.0 a... 2.0 listen
1: troy jones senior though that boy's been on netflix get <laughs> smart with money with your boy ross definitely on there with him listen man he got it, had his netflix debut but uh but no man we got troy jones jr here ceo founder co-founder of status pro Yo. I'm going to let you introduce yourself because Status Pro, I mean, if you guys haven't seen the commercial yet, come on, in, stop playing. If you haven't downloaded the game yet, watch come on,
0: TV. In, stop playing. If they it, ain't it, seen it, they, ain't, they don't watch it, TV, they don't they, own the TV, they, man. You're not a baller,
1: baby. you not a baller if you ain't there practicing, if you ain't getting better. We're rocking the Status Pro game right now, but no, nah, man, this is a pleasure. I'm going to let you introduce yourself uh but this man we are brothers we've grown up together this is the godfather to my second son braylon uh again i'm not going to take it easy on you in this interview though we're going to expose
2: you all the hey. skeletons
1: in the closet we're going to expose you you know what i'm saying nah fuck hey, me. i got some. Bro. i got something
2: for you too bro so okay, we okay. Can take it listen this is going to be our <laughs> best episode ever man
1: now nah, i'm i'm excited man but but troy introduce yourself to the people man welcome to money music culture it's an honor to have you bro Nah,
2: for sure first and foremost i appreciate y'all both for having me, Ross, specifically you. Cause I know you probably, I don't want to set it up cause Colt been doing this for a minute. And he ain't never called me, bro. Like you said, we failed. even big time. I'm like, him, bro.
0: bro, I say, bro, why you ain't had Troy on yet? Hey, he, oh man, you right. You know.
2: Every time I call him, you give me the, the secretary. I gotta wait for the secretary. <laughs> why well, I and had like, to I flip that on he you. He gave me the 1-800 number, bro. I had to flip that on you. Cause that's how you was doing me. You know, when you first was popping <laughs> you got your, your show popping, you was like, I was like, yo, can we, He's like, yo, I'm gonna call you back. Never call. I'm like, damn, all right, you know, but nah, that's all I love, all jokes aside. Appreciate y'all having me on. My name is Troy Jones, um, co-founder, CEO of Status Pro. Interesting path to become an entrepreneur. I'll try to keep it as short as possible, but long story short, former athlete, played quarterback at the University of Maryland in Western Kentucky. Um, like most athletes, when I transitioned and didn't make it to the NFL, I was trying to figure out what was next for me. Um, so I'm excited to get into that conversation because I know Brandon and I spent a lot of time talking about that just on our personal time. Uh, but it was an identity crisis. You know, I'm trying to figure out what's next. You put a lot of time into trying to get to the division one level to eventually go to the pros, and then when you don't, you know, you, you got to have that plan B and figure out okay, how do you fulfill that satisfaction you got as an athlete, being a part of a team, trying to do something bigger than you? So fresh out of school, but you know, I was trying to figure it out. Honestly, literally working in the mall, trying to sell, uh, you know, emoji pillows and jewelry to my friends that played played in the league, and then um, eventually got my way into uh, working in finance and business at Morgan Stanley which I learned relatively quickly that, you know, I didn't want to have a, a future in that. It was a good experience, but I wanted to get back into sports. Um, so from Morgan Stanley, went to the NFLPA, started also as an intern um, and just was really just trying to build relationships within the space, get to understand the business side of football and where the opportunity was to try to build something meaningful. Um, and then during that time, again, got introduced to virtual reality, actually at Brandon Copeland's first camp. That he ever had oddly enough met two gentlemen that had crashed the camp was showing us the technology ended up connecting <laughs> with them long story short ended up going into this full time and which we'll get into probably a little later but ultimately that led to me just learning a lot in, in business and and now being a co-founder and ceo of status pro with my partner andrew hawkins
1: yeah man listen so for those who don't know status pro right uh you know Well, you should know it. Go download the game. We'll we'll talk about it. But but when you describe it, you founded this baby. How would you describe Status Pro to somebody who has no idea what it is?
2: Yeah, so Status Pro is a uh, sports technology and gaming company that essentially utilizes AR and VR technology to create football games and training products in in VR, right? So think about it as the simplest way to explain it is a life-size version of Madden to where you can actually immerse yourself uh and the product so our, our first game that we launched is nfl pro era which is available today you're going to hear a lot of go get it drops obviously copa's already started uh you can find that in the quest store in the psvr store but again the goal is to, to do this across all sports so obviously we started with football because we are the subject matter experts in it because we play me and both my co-founder and a bunch of people on our team but the goal is very much to be in all sports so that's why we say we're a sports technology company building vr gaming products and eventually we'll have training products as well in every sport
0: all right, real quick, man, if you're enjoying the show, make sure you follow and subscribe Money Music Culture on all platforms.
1: So from Baltimore, Maryland, like you said, you've had a journey that's t- took you through so many different layers of uh, business because I, I don't want to just limit it to football, but business, but obviously you have that passion that interest in football right mm-hmm. from playing as a young and your dad training pros training some of the best players in the nfl today and and throughout his entire career right um and now you sit at the throne of one of the hottest tech companies in the world right what is that transition like before we get into the business and the numbers and all yeah. that stuff right like speak to a younger version of yourself, right? If you could be talking to him and just be preparing him for the seat that you're in now, like, what would you be telling him?
2: Yeah. I would tell him the number one thing is maximize the, the time that you're in. Right. Because I actually pull from my career as an athlete on the daily more than I pull from like my education. You know, I, I have my MBA, obviously went to school and undergrad and, and it's, and it's my time and being a quarterback and a leader and just dealing with people, that I lean on the most to help navigate this space right because that's the part that the textbook doesn't teach you and that's something that you simply have or you don't you see a lot of brilliant people but when it comes to managing people and selling people on a vision that has nothing to do with you know the numbers to your point or or what school you went to it's just about you being able to connect with humans and and understand how people are motivated by different things and obviously playing quarterback um you know that was something that I was doing on the daily right just getting to know different teammates um, having to understand what the coach is trying to do and how what is my role and making sure I'm, I'm carrying that out on the field with the team. So it's very much just say, hey, stay present and try to extract as much value from this experience you can have outside of just being an athlete, right? Like a lot of people, while you're playing, you're just thinking of, I'm trying to start, I'm trying to win, I'm trying to get to the lead. And you're not really looking at it from a like, what is this teaching me that I can take with me throughout my whole life? You know what I mean? So for me, um, it would certainly be like, hey, be present, Try to extract as much value from the experience you're in because this time is going to go by in the blink of an eye. And it's going to be skills that you're developing now as an athlete that you can take through the rest of your life, whether it be for your professional career, your personal life. Um, and that's something that I think I've done a decent job of. And, you know, Hawk and I talk about that on a daily. And that's certainly, like, the number one piece of advice I give anybody that's playing at any level. Like, yo, playing football, playing sports, there's so much you learn. Like, use those skills outside of your sport. And you'll you'll be you'll have a head start against anyone else um, that you may see as you as you transition out of it.
0: So I want you to kind of take us through the idea of developing this baby, right? Because like at the end of the mm. day, it's crazy to have an idea, but more it's even crazier, right, to actually see that idea through. Let's talk about the whole process from a development standpoint to then actually saying, all right, well, the ideating standpoint. Then it's like, well, you need money to get yeah. this to the next level. So, like, kind of talk us through that process.
2: Yeah, for sure. So the first step of it was when I when I first got started, I saw the technology and I felt like it could help. First started off as a training product, right? So the question of can it help athletes get better? Um, I played quarterback, like I said. My dad trained athletes um, for the majority of my life. So the idea of being able to to help athletes get better was something that I'm passionate about. And then when I saw the technology, I, I said, okay, I have a vision for how this can help athletes get better, but I want to make sure that I'm not the only person seeing this. So I actually went to people who I respected and valued their opinion and said, hey, let me know if you see what I see, right? And and I think that's the first step. Like we all have ideas, but ultimately if you're trying to build something, you're you're banking on other people using your idea, right? So you do need mm-hmm. validation from somebody. There'll be a lot of people that tell you it probably won't work. So you kind of got to box those people out, which is why I went to people that I cared about and that I loved and candidly that I knew were also athletes and had that perspective to see like, okay, like, do you see what I see? So I took it to Coke, uh, took it to my dad, took it to some of my closest friends and literally would be like, okay, like, this is what I'm thinking. Does this make sense to you? Can you connect the dots? Because they're athletes as well. So if they agreed, then it kind of was confirmation like, all right, I'm on to something. Once I got past that stage, then to your point, it's about, building a product and getting it to where it needs to be to be for people to use it. Right. Which is a hard process because you'll have in your, in your head how you want it to work. And I always say this in every speech that I have fall in love with the problem, not your solution because what you're going to learn is not times out of 10 you're going to have to tweak it and it's going to have to change, but you got to be willing to listen to people and focus on the problem that you're trying to solve instead of falling in love with like the way you want it to work. Right. So then it was a deep process of, going around talking to the dev team about, okay, what is the direct use case that people will use today? Not five years from now, because, you know, Ross, if I'm trying to give you a product that'll help you, I don't know, manage your investments better, if you can't use it today, you could care less what it could do five years from now. You're like, I can't apply this. I'm not interested, right? So same thing in training athletes. Like if I can't make you better today, then my product is not useful. So I had to go and then figure out what is digestible since it's technology and since it's emerging technology with AR VR, it's not ubiquitous yet. Like what is the thing that people would want to do that solves a problem for the, for them today? And what that was for us was uh, being able to simulate walkthroughs when players couldn't be on the field, right? Because during phase one, as Copa tell you, when you first come in, you're not allowed to be on the field. They were using trash cans. Am I lying, Copa? Like that's, they were using trash cans to go over walkthroughs in different situations. But because the rule book states you can't line up against a heartbeat or something like that. So it was like holograms don't have heartbeats. Instead of a trash can, you can have a hologram that actually moves, shows you stuff pre-snap, post-snap. So, we focused in on that use case. And then I had to communicate that to the dev team who candidly don't know football, right? At the time we're dealing with an overseas dev team that's in Eastern Europe, they have know soccer, they don't know American football. So I had to learn how to communicate what it is that I wanted in a certain type of way and a certain type of language and just be patient with them while going through that process. And then once you get to that point, you build a prototype or a demo that you can then take, you feel confident putting it in front of people and, and then you have to get some people to buy in. We were able to get the Ravens to do that and a few other teams. And then from there, that's when you got to go and you're ready for the big game, which is getting somebody to give you money to bring your to bring your idea, take your idea, which is now a demo, a prototype into an actual product and then build a company, right? And that's a very just strenuous process in which now you got to shift yourself from being open-minded to what people have to say to almost like being able to keep going despite what an investor tells you. Cause I got a million no's before I got a yes, right? And if I would have let any of those no's deter me from the vision, I wouldn't be sitting in front of y'all today. And that's just a very nuanced journey, man. That to be honest, like there's no blueprint to it. It just takes a lot of self-awareness and, and mentally uh, preparing yourself to know how to extract the valuable things, feedback that someone's giving you to why they won't invest, but not letting it break your spirits to keep going. Mm. You know, like Biff Poggy is someone who hope, hope obviously we both respect and have a lot of admiration for. They passed, right? It's a and that's a guy who we grew up looking up to as like the standard for entrepreneurship and success. So mentally, like getting yourself in a place to where that don't that didn't break me was a is a is a tough thing, you know? Um yeah. but leaning on people who have done it before you and, and building mentors and finding people along the way that that kind of see the vision and leaning on them is, is important. Sorry to get long winded, but that's something that not, I'm just passionate
0: about, and that waited. I think is uh, that's not long winded because your journey is one that's obviously admirable. Because when you think about it, it's not many black-owned tech companies, and then now you're talking about going along this journey of trying to raise capital. People don't understand like asset allocators run this world, right? Those are the people that are running billions and trillions of dollars from sovereign funds and pension funds and you know retirement funds, etc. And the people that are in control of them are older white men, and right. If you're a black-owned tech company, you like you're saying, right? You're going to them effectively selling your business, selling yourself, and you're hearing no's. So, like, what kept you on your journey, right? After hearing so many no's, I first of all I
2: believed, I genuinely believed in the in the product. That's number one, you know. And I felt like humbly. I felt like I've spent my whole life playing sports. I spent a lot of my life around watching athletes um, develop and train because of my dad. And I kind of came up in that with them. I was my dad's guinea pig, right, (laughs) in terms of him training people. So I just knew it would work. And the people that I was pitching, I honestly thought I knew more than them when it came to helping athletes get better because I've been around it my whole life and I was consumed in it. So, yeah, that conviction really is one of the main things. And then honestly, man, just being honest, trying to take care of my family. Like, you know, like the goal to go to the NFL, obviously I love the game of football, still do. But a large part of that was being able to make sure that my mom and dad can retire one day because they don't, you know, not to put business out there, but they don't have a retirement plan and they will have to work, um, in my mind, unless I'm able to do something that gives them... 99%
0: of the black parents don't. That's normal. (laughs) Right.
2: So, um, you know, so being able to change my family's life in that way and, and then obviously just believing in what I was what I was building with the two with the two things and it was like ain't nobody going to feel sorry for you like what you going to quit and then go work for the next person it's just kind of like nah like go all in on it if you believe in it don't stop and um and you know that just that just is that's just kept me grounded and kept me going
0: that's happening
1: that's yeah. happy, you you mentioned a couple times right like being the quarterback that experience being the leader of the team being in the huddle everybody looking at you to you know, one, get positive energy and encouragement, but then also to like, hey, this is this is the way it's going to be, this is the way it's going to be, right? Now you're the CEO, quarterback of an organization. All of us have a different perspective because I think like when we were younger, it's, it's funny, like Ross and I at Penn, you, you know, we would always talk and like we used to look at the Morgan Stanley's like, yo, this is what I'm trying to do. This is, this is where it's at, right? Like the NFLPA, this is what I'm trying to do. This is where it's at, right? Like and, and now you're at the helm and you're the quarterback of an organization that other people are doing that about, right? So my question to you is, when you are bringing people onto your team, what are you looking for mm-hmm. in them? How, like you, you mentioned earlier about the communication barrier with the, the developers and trying to be patient with them but also understanding that it's a tech company and we got to move fast and we got to grow fast and we got to deliver results fast. So what, how do you balance finding the right people being patient with them, but also knowing when, Hey, this just ain't the right fit. You got to
2: go. Yeah. Um, that's a great question. I think the first part is understanding your culture that you're trying to build. Uh, well, first let me not, let me not start there. I'm gonna start for people who are on their own entrepreneurial Journey in which sometimes you don't have the flexibility to be picky about this topic. Like, mm-hmm. I don't got the time. I don't have. I'm not in a position to nitpick on. Can this person fit? Um, do I know for sure they can do the job? When you're first starting out, you're trying to. You're really going with people who kind of check the boxes and they're willing to go on this journey with you because there's no guarantees. Because the talented people, I'm not. And I'm not saying those people aren't talented, but the extremely talented people that may be looking for opportunities are already at established places, right? Because they're people that everybody wants, right? The proven people. So you're going to be taking a chance on people the same way they're taking a chance on you with this idea. And those people starting off, you just really want people that are passionate, that believe in the vision, and that have a skill that you don't have that helps you move the needle forward, right? The unfortunate part about that is, those people aren't guaranteed to be on this journey with you throughout the entire duration of it, right? And I think that's something that I had to learn, because um, you know I'm somebody who always had to work for everything I, I got, right? I went, you know, I do go like I, from football to now in life. Like I've always been the underdog in that way, and I and I've been soft on the people who believed in me, who I felt like, hey, you were a first believer, and I've tried to like take care of those people as I've continued to to elevate myself. But the harsh reality that i'm facing now is that just because someone was there at the beginning doesn't mean that they grow with the company like there's chapters of the business in that way so you do right by them and you make sure that they're taken care of but there's going to be different things you look for along your journey so starting off i think it's passion i think it's a specific skill set that helps move the business forward um i think it's the ability to be compatible and work together um and and those are the main things that you look for as you get venture capital in and you start to accelerate and you got a product to market. Now you're looking for the best of the best. Now you're trying to find people who, you know, clearly are additive to the business and take you over the top and those type of people, you probably want certain sensibilities around, you know, Hey, there's people who like to get stuff done. You know, there's someone you don't have to handhold and, and you want to be, because as the business grows, it's going to need different parts from you as the founder. Um, than it did when you first got started. Like when it first got started, I was doing everything. Now I just can't. It's just too much value. So whoever I hire in finance has to be a dog in finance, and I can't, I can't micromanage that person. I got to trust and believe that hey, that's taken care of. When they report to me in our weeklies, they've got everything tight, and I'm looking at it. But beyond that, that's your world. You know what I'm saying? Kind of like mm-hmm. your defensive coordinator in that way. The head coach ain't trying to tell the DC what to run and the, what the play call. He trusts that. Like yo. You're doing your thing. Same with your offensive coordinator and so on and so forth. So, you know, in those spots, you want whatever sensibilities are important to you. For me at Hawk, we're former athletes, so candidly, we like the people who operate the way that athletes do. Again, that doesn't mean you have to be an athlete, but you're someone who understands the big picture, can put others before yourself, Um, always think team first, work hard, even when the outcome's not guaranteed or you can't clearly see what the outcome's going to be. Like, those are the things that we tend to focus on now. Um, Which we think are going to take our business to the next level from as we go into, you know, uh, being a company with a product and market that now wants to bring multiple products and markets and expand beyond one specific sport.
0: Well, listen, man, I think the product is awesome, but I could only imagine the level of pushback just granted, you know, seeing, you know, the, the face of the industry you were in, right, calling AI mm-hmm. and effectively the metaverse, right? Uh, would you consider this kind of metaverse esque, right?
2: Yeah, that's a polarizing
0: word nowadays, but yeah, <laughs> definitely metaverse esque. And I'm and saying that as someone who's in the middle
2: of a capital raise. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so. no, and that that's what's
0: interesting is because you see a person like Zuckerberg, who I think is one of you know one of the greatest innovators, who effectively is getting a lot of negative pushback for the fact of, dude, you're a little too early to this metaverse right where he's putting his claim down i'm gonna spend 10 billion dollars over the next few years you know a year right he's he burning through billions of dollars a quarter and the investor's like bro this metaverse stuff isn't quite working but that's from a infrastructure standpoint but from a true technological standpoint right i see the future of the metaverse being real right doctors will be able to learn how to operate via ai right and so to understand how athletes are going to be able to utilize your product is crazy so where do you see you know this industry you are in and effectively right you are one of the leaders in this new realm of of it where do you see it looking in the next like three to five years
2: yeah um first and foremost i agree with you i think that the metaverse is certainly the future in which multiple industries will be able to Train, experience things, and and you know just just enhance our experiences as humans. As far as sports specifically, on the consumer side, um, again, we're giving people an experience that they've never had. Only one percent of people are blessed to do what COVID has done. You know, got to do for ten years. Um, and but everybody, but all the ninety nine percent want to know what it's like. You know, so to be able to be that extension to show them that. Is, is what our goal is right like we want to become an extension of sports which is why i do think status pro is positioned to be the leader in it because it clearly enhances the experience of a sports fan because no matter how often you watch or how much money you have you can't go suit up and play on the sundays you know it's a it's extremely challenging to pay your way into experiencing what it's like to be in the middle of a SoFi Stadium on a game day, right? <laughs> it's only a select few of people that can have that experience. So, trying to use use VR to give people those experiences from a consumer stand, fan standpoint, I think is is something that we'll look to do, obviously with the NFL and across multiple sports, which again kind of connect the fan and the player in a way, in the clubs in a way that they just they just haven't been able to be connected. Um, and I think that's the future because the trend in the space is, you know, you look at media, right? Like over the last, call it five, 10 years, you've just seen a uptick in, in athlete storytelling, right? People wanting to know, mm-hmm. all right, Cope, you got the sack that day against Mac Jones, but what did you need for breakfast? What was your morning like? Oh, you was with Braylon? Mm-hmm. That's what you do before the game? Like, people care about the person and, and what led up to a certain experience. The next step of that, obviously, is I want to know what it was like. I want to live it. I want to touch it. I want to feel it mm-hmm. so I can say, okay, like, I now know with the rush that brandon felt never one to one because it's just not the real thing but as close to him, i'm gonna get to feeling what what brandon felt on that day so i definitely think that's the future i think NFL pro pro era is the beginning of that and then on the training side i mean again mental reps is something that we all need right like the more that we do anything the better we get at it and being able to extend you know actually take you know people being in their homes or, or late at night, whatever they want to, just putting themselves in whatever situation to get familiar with it, that's a clear use case that I think, you know, even beyond sports, people will, will be turned into in the future. And our goal is, you know, to to take that over and kind of define that in sports and then maybe extend beyond it, right? Whatever the journey is mm-hmm. for us will, you know, still t- to be determined. But, you know, I tell people like, as athletes, and Cope, you'll know this too, and Ross, I'm sure, uh, totally familiar with your background, but I'm sure you know it as well, like, yeah, you're told just, you're dog. taught-
0: Almost went pro. <laughs> you know what I'm might have to, to break. Hey, it look, down. I wasn't was trying. Bad. I wasn't going. I didn't want
2: to assume. You know,
0: he almost went pro. You know what I'm saying? You know, I get it, bro. It'd be I like it,
2: that bro. though. I, it do. Cole played on Sundays, but I would have dogged him back in the day. So it's you know, it's, it's I get you. <laughs> but nah, but like you, you they tell you, hey, visualize yourself making that free throw. Cope, visualize yourself making that, that set. And what's crazy about that is you're limited to your imagination. Some people just can't. Some people are better at envisioning themselves doing things than others. I feel like our technology will essentially even the playing field. And then mm-hmm. people will be able to say, all right, well, I can't do that in my own way. I can't be Tom Brady go in the middle of an empty stadium and go through a drive. But I can get in this headset and visualize every possible look that I'm going to see to make sure I'm ready if my number is called or if I am the guy who's, who's playing that day. So that's kind of the vision on both sides of the of the business that we see. And
0: what, what what sport do you I don't know if you're able to disclose it, but what sport do you see you guys uh getting into next?
2: Uh <laughs> can't disclose it.
0: Okay. Then we, can <laughs> but, we can talk but, offline. I'm but, I'm, I'm a sign NDA on the <laughs> investor side. <laughs> yeah, can't disclose that, but just
2: um nothing we do is 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 not, you know, it's not part of like a larger strategy that we have so if people pay attention to our business and things that we do and people that's involved and i'm sure they'll be able to figure it out i'll just say that without a doubt
0: so. without a doubt, man i hope you guys are enjoying this conversation man with troy co-owner co-founder of nfl pro air but look man we didn't get y'all a little bit too much so we're gonna pause it right here and y'all gonna tune back in next week where we have another episode